Grace and peace are yours in abundance in your knowledge of God and your Savior, Jesus Christ. God's word for us on this Transfiguration Day is from Luke chapter 9. We'll start at verse 34. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my Son, my Chosen One. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. This is God's Word. This Sunday is about change. Change in the way things were, change in the way things are, change in the way things will be. And right away, you probably have mixed feelings about this message. So let's switch gears. We all know what the word figure means, as in watching my figure. After age 25, it seems, keeping our own figure in line, it's work. This is the Sunday of transfiguration, meaning changing the outward appearance. What the thing really is does not change, but how it looks absolutely does. Examples. Tadpoles are transfigured into frogs. Babies become adults. Our DNA does not change. We just look older. In the Greek churches of the Orthodox tradition, Transfiguration Sunday is sometimes referred to as metamorphosis. Sunday. The transfiguration of Jesus, his metamorphosis, is not just him going from youth to adulthood. It's really not a development at all. Instead, in the transfiguration, we see Jesus the way he always was and always will be. For a few moments, the cover of humility is pulled back. We see things the way they really are. His face takes on the appearance of the sun at high noon. His cloak, normally stained with traveling dirt, had the appearance of brilliant light. This was a drastic change for the disciples. but not Jesus. Hidden beneath the appearance of an ordinary, wandering teacher was God in all of His transcendent splendor. The disciples, almost always confused about who Jesus was and what His mission was about, 
saw his glory with their own eyes. And that would have been a lot to process. Now, if the disciples had been able to string together a few coherent thoughts in the moment, which is debatable, they might have remembered Jesus' predictions of rejection. That he would be rejected by his own people, he would be thrown out of the synagogues, and those things happened. But here, in place of human rejection, was divine acceptance. They heard the voice from the cloud, This is my Son, my Chosen One. Heaven had touched down on earth. And Peter reacts in a way that, to be candid, makes a lot of sense. He wanted to bottle this up. He wanted to make this experience last. Let's make tents, he said. Three little tabernacles to house the glory. To keep it going. The kingdom of God has come. Let's keep it here. But that's not what happens. Within moments, Jesus looked normal. The next day, they were off the mountain, surrounded by crowds, confronted by people, some of whom were struggling with evil spirits. Where was the glory? What happened to it? It was back to being hidden. Evidently, full glory was not going to be used quite yet. James, or John, or Peter could have wondered, what's Jesus going to do that's better than the mountaintop? And even after Jesus told them what he was going to do, they could not fathom the ultimate way that he would display his glory. That wouldn't happen until afterwards. Jesus' ultimate display of glory did not begin with a display of power. In fact, it was just the opposite. The glory was there, but hidden as Jesus suffered in the garden, as he was arrested, falsely accused, as he carried his cross to the hilltop and the nails entered his wrists and feet, as the cross was lifted into place and Jesus cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There was nothing like the transfiguration happening at all. No streaming light, no voice from heaven. Moses and Elijah do not swoop down at the last second to prevent this tragedy. It's just a bloody, battered, 
crucified Jesus, tormented by the fact that his father is not answering. He's not picking up. But don't be fooled by the way it looks. What the Father said at the Transfiguration was true. Jesus was his Son, his Chosen One. The One chosen to pay sin's astronomical cost. The One chosen to be the sacrifice, to be the currency. His life laid down on the cross would balance the books. His life for yours. Jesus was punished as if He did all the things you've done that you're ashamed of. Jesus assumed the debt built up through neglect, selfishness, rebellion. He swallowed it all and died. Which means all the sin, all the shame is totally gone. Dead. In the grave. And what about Jesus? The floodlights of God's glory shine forth at His resurrection. What was glimpsed at His transfiguration shines out in a steady stream from His empty tomb. He was dead, but now lives. He is changed. His voice is recognizable. The scars from His death unmistakable. By his rising to life, he has opened the way to the place where Moses and Elijah stand. The place where Father and Spirit dwell with him. He has opened the way to heaven. If you want that, it's yours in Jesus. The transfiguration was a preview of sorts. It was telegraphing where we're headed. And it was also communicating an ongoing reality. And here's what I mean by that. The voice from the cloud said, This is my Son, my Chosen One. Listen to Him. Listen to him. The disciples who were there that day did their best to listen to Jesus. And in the end, they were transformed by his words of eternal life. They became bold. They became courageous. They became enlightened. I don't do this too often in a sermon, but I can promise you this today in the Lord, 
if you will listen to him. If you will listen to Jesus as he speaks to you in the four Gospels, if you will take his words to heart, you too will be changed. You too will be transformed in your thoughts and your attitudes. Trust will replace worry. Love will replace hate. Compassion will replace cruelty. Faith will replace fear. Your thoughts about sin will be transfigured. You'll lose your appetite for it. And when you fall, it will grieve you more deeply because you know what it cost your Savior. I am serious when I say transformative change is possible for you, in you, but you must create time to listen to Him and His voice is heard in the Word. Get in it. Be in it. Take it with you from the mountaintop down to the places where most of life gets lived. And know this. There is another transfiguration coming. The final chapter on our transformation has not been written, but when it is written, a final metamorphosis. A risen body like the body of Jesus. The resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come that we confess today in our creed. One last change in the power and love of Jesus. Yours and mine. Listen to him. Let's pray. Lord God, Savior Jesus, with your Father and Holy Spirit, as Peter once said, it is good for us to be here in your presence, listening to your word, being reminded of who we are, being reminded of what you have done for us. And just as it says in our Transfiguration hymn, it is good for us to be here, yet we may not remain. But since thou bidst us leave the mount, come with us to the plain. Come with us, Lord Jesus. Amen.